Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. There is something both fascinating and intriguing and also infuriating about pretenders. Do you know what pretenders are? Pretenders are people who walk and talk and maybe even act and look like somebody who is above them, somebody that they think people want them to be, but in actuality they are a fake or a fraud. And throughout all different walks of life and your life experience, I'm sure you probably can think of some. Like when it comes to the business world, you might think of Bernie Madoff and the whole thing with Fannie Mae. When it comes to pop culture, remember Millie Vanilli lip-syncing? Remember Paul McCartney's death? Even when it comes to history and big movements in even world wars, there was the man who never was. Operation Mincemeat, we talked about that at Christmas, where the British fooled the Germans, thinking that this body they planted had secret intelligence about how they were going this way. The Germans bit, the British went that way. So many times, even in our own lives, in your own workplace, maybe even in your family, there are people who pretend to be who they really are not. People who walk and talk and act like they are someone a little bit more special. And whether... It's the experience and the expertise that you have in your line of work, and you look to people like that, it can be entirely infuriating when you see the following that they can have. Does that ever happen? Somebody who does the same kind of work that you do, but they're not supposed to because they don't really have the credentials. They didn't take the path that you took, and somehow there's people that are actually listening to what they say and paying for their services, and you want to pull your hair out. Part of that's also kind of intriguing, though, isn't it? Because you kind of wonder, how did that happen? Are they, just, are they just kind of really gracious with their words? They can empower people and encourage them and kind of win a following? One thing you cannot feel, though, whether it's anger or frustration or intrigue or even fascination with frauds, fakes, counterfeits, and pretenders. So one thing you cannot feel, though, is surprise, because this always happens whether it's in business or pop culture or sports or politics or any other point in history, there have always been, and sad to say, there will always be pretenders. And if this happens in the greatest positions in all of those areas, well then, of course, it is of no surprise to us that this can even happen with Jesus. If you take just a brief cursory look at the centuries leading up to the time of Christ, and even afterwards, there were certainly people who claimed to be the Messiah. There's just one common thread with all of them. Guess. They died and they stayed dead. (laughs) It's kind of the deal breaker, isn't it? But it's no surprise as you and I look out in this world today and we even think of some of the messages that we have heard that pseudo-saviors and false Christs abound more and more. God's word even promised that this was going to be the case. Jesus himself said that's a time, that's an identifying factor, a truth of the last times, the end times. The real question you and I want to ask, though, is, Are we sure that we can distinguish between Jesus for who he really is, for who he wants us to see as he really is, or or do we sometimes get misled by the pretender, the pseudo-savior, the fake, the fraud, the counterfeit Christ? No less than Jesus himself actually wants you to ask that question. In fact, as our lesson starts out with about eight days, eight days previous to our account, Jesus actually asked his disciples that question. He says, "Who who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? There's some complimentary people, some personas that were quite powerful, 
some high reputations that were assigned and even assumed and presumed about Jesus. It just so happens that those are not the real deal. And so Jesus asks his disciples, because he wants to know what his disciples think. Yes, then, and you and me today, he asks them, what about you? Who do you say that I am? In order that you and I would know exactly who Jesus really is, that we would see the real Jesus standing up, set aside, set apart, and standing alone, we're going to dig into the words of our lesson today. I invite you to have that open Luke chapter 9, the gospel lesson I read just before. As you're opening up to that, back to those eight days previous, Jesus was with his disciples eight days before the Mount of Transfiguration. He was with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, just north of the Sea of Galilee. He's having this conversation with them. And as he asks his disciples, what about you? I want to know if you know me for being the real deal that I really am. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes. That's it. And on that confession, everything rests and relies upon that is it. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then he goes on to tell them not just who he is, but how he was actually going to carry that out. He says, I, as a son of man, am going to suffer. Going to be handed over to many and betrayed. Going to be killed and be raised on the third day. That's who Jesus really is. Not something comfortable. Not someone who came to do and accomplish that which was pleasant. But entirely and eternally the opposite. And so that the disciples then, and you and me and today, would know what that means for us, he goes on to tell them in the account before our lesson, he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his or her cross, and follow me. For if anyone wants to save your life here and now, you will lose it. But whoever loses your life here and now, you will save it forever. That's who Jesus really is. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. And the way he came to do that would be to give his life as a ransom for many. He would offer himself as the sacrifice on that altar, so to speak, of the cross. And there he would be nailed and pierced as the sacrifice that would atone for the sins of all people. And all means all. That's what he came to do. He did not come to find that which is comfortable and peaceful here and now. His kingdom is not of this world. He came to save. And so, since that is the way that there is peace and happiness that this world cannot give and it cannot take away, then this also is the design for your life. Take up your cross and follow him. Do you see Jesus for who he really is? Or do you see someone else? No doubt there have at many times and certainly still today been a lot of false Christs that stand up and try to set themselves aside as the real deal. But they're a fake and they're a fraud. Take, for example, what I like to call the comfy Christ. You know, you know the comfy Christ? The comfy Christ is a so-called savior or at least a figment in people's imagination about what the savior should or could be like. People who think that Christ's number one goal and purpose really is to make our lives comfortable here and now. It's to give you peace when it comes to your problems. It's to calm your anxiety. It's to help you with some of your fear. To erase some of your worry. 
to make things in and around the church particularly comfortable and even custom fit for you. Not so much that you are here to serve Christ and serve others, but that the church and Christ really are here to serve you, custom fit, tailor-made for you. Have you heard of that Christ before? I've seen him. There's another one. He's even got two sides to him. He's called the political Jesus. The political Jesus, he's tailor-made for the person who really gets so caught up in politics that he even sees Jesus as being the proponent of everything that this person on either side of the aisle in between anywhere and everywhere wants to think and believe about this world. There's just one problem. When you come into contact with Jesus' words where it says, my kingdom is not of this world, and when he says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be given unto you as well. Not to mention, when it comes to all of the political realm, where is the cross, where is the sacrifice, where is the service? Have you seen it? I see political Jesus a lot. The question, and we can come up with many more, and we will. The question is not whether or not these false personas find their way, these frauds, these fakes, stand up and set themselves aside as though they have a Christ-like message for you. The, The problem is that sometimes we even listen. Sometimes we follow. Sometimes we prefer to listen to what Christ really is not. Hang on to that. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the mount. And there, in a flash of lightning, as if you can really describe what this is like, I mean, how do you describe heaven to mere mortals? Who is up to the task? And there he appears with Moses and Elijah, the two figureheads of the law and the prophets in the Old Testament. And Peter, Peter rightly wants to stay there. Let's, as they're walking away, our lesson says, let's set up three shelters so we can stay here. Who wouldn't want to stay in their little heaven on earth, that mountaintop experience? We even know little lesser versions of these, and we want to stay there. Whether it's vacation, whether it's reprieve or release from work, we want to stay in those things. There's something natural about that. We understand what Peter is saying, and yet in all of the things that we cannot say, and of all the things we think that could or should have been said, the Father silences all of those things with the one thing that he does say. This is my son. Then what does he say? Listen to him. When when it comes to the things that you like about what he says, and it comes especially to the things that you don't like, when he tells you to cast your care on him because he cares for you and to not focus on your fears, when, when he tells you that he's got it taken care of, that he cares about the sliver and the possible other health concerns that you have and to not fret, to not think that you have to take control of it because he's got it, when he tells you those things, do we? Do you listen to him? Do, do I listen to him? Not just hear, but actually listen to him. When he tells you that when it comes to your life, you're not supposed to be identified by what everyone else thinks about you, but by what he declared about you in the waters of your baptism, by what he offers to you in his supper, the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. As we've been hearing throughout this series, Far From Home, that your life is so uniquely different and it's beautiful. You're defined not by what you think about you and not by what others pejoratively think about you. You are defined by what God has already declared is true about you in his son. You're forgiven, you're redeemed. You're his child. End of story. Do we listen to him? Or do we sometimes prefer to follow some of the false Christs that like to peek up? I'll tell you about one of them that that we're very well acquainted with. This is called Best Friend Jesus. Do you know Best Friend Jesus? You do. You know Best Friend Jesus like I do. Best Friend Jesus, he's there to give us guidance. 
He's there to kind of comfort us. He'll give you some advice that you can take, and by extension, he's also there to give you some advice that you can, well, not take. You can follow and listen to what he says, but he's your friend and he's there to help you. He's not, he's not really the controller of all things, so he's, he's best friend Jesus. How about, how about comfortable Jesus insofar as what, what he says and also what he doesn't say? So many of the things we wish Jesus would say, we wish he would give, we wish he would tell us, and he doesn't. And so instead of being content with the body of his word in the scriptures, we go looking elsewhere, not even for false Christ, but we listen to what anyone else would say who's not even associated with Jesus. And so many times the question is not whether or not these false personas creep in and, and they are the frauds that they are. The real question is, do we so often listen to them? Do we even prefer to listen to them rather than listening to the one who is both Savior and Lord? I told you to hang on to that thought from before because this is where things get very real. Whatever it is that you and I might be looking for or wanting to listen to, whatever person we might set up on a pedestal who claims to be Jesus-like or Christ-like himself, Whatever religious figure or ideology, whatever moralistic teaching, Bible-thumping type of teaching others might try to, to force on us, whatever that might be, there's just one problem with all of those things. They will never, ever, ever be able to give you what only God can give you. They will never be able to give you what this world promises, much less what this world can't even deliver. And that's exactly why you have to look at who the real Jesus is. You have a real Jesus who sets himself aside for the cross. So when he speaks about the cross, he's not just talking about it. He would take on his cross for every time you and I would want to set that aside and delight in the pleasures and the peace that we temporarily have in this world. And when it would come to the times that we would listen to some of what he says, but not all, or even someone else despite him, he would perfectly listen to his father and carry out his plan so his life would stand in the place of our own. And that's exactly what would make him the Savior. He's set aside for the cross. He is set apart as the anointed one with the microphone, the mic. And then comes the real powerful point at the end. He stands alone for the road. Look at verse 36. Something unique about this account of the transfiguration. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. Yes, the real Jesus stands up. He stands aside for the cross. He stands apart with the mic. And he stands alone for the road. Because you notice what happened right after this account. Where did they go? There's another mountain on the horizon. And Jesus knows that. That's what his departure is about. Jesus gladly walks down that mountain to go to another mountain called Golgotha where he would die and he would suffer the punishment of hell for you, for once, for all, for good. And it's about his road. It's not about ours. I, I can't wait for Wednesday. I got to be honest with you. I cannot wait for this Ash Wednesday where we all get to gather together and we get to talk. We get, we get to start what's called this Lenten journey where we, for the next 40 days, we, we follow our Savior. But don't be mistaken and think that this is really about us and our walk and our journey. So much is played up about that and that's not the case. This is about a Savior who took steps that only the Savior could take. 
so you would really be able to discover the beauty of knowing you don't belong? You don't belong to this world because you have a Savior who walked through this world and underwent the problems of this world to pay for the sin of this world so you wouldn't be left to this world. And in this way, and in this way, my friends, in the end of that, through another journey to the cross and at the empty tomb, you and I get to stand there, but we don't stand alone. Because there we stand in the glorious presence of a Savior who still carries the wounds, who shines with brightness greater than lightning, who carries with him forgiveness that is finished and peace that does not end. This is what the Savior gives you, the one anointed by God, the one who stands apart from all the others. Don't listen to what anyone else has to say. Don't let yourself believe that there's there's really not more to dig in when it comes to this profound message that God gives you. Don't allow yourself to think that you don't have time to dig into the depths of God's love as he takes every single step. I can't wait to dig into these lessons with you. Coming this Wednesday and into the season, into Easter, I can't wait. Because in the end, you and I see all of the loud noises of this world and the false personas erased. And there in the end is just one person, the real deal, standing right before us. A Savior who stands aside for the cross, who is set apart with the mic, and who stands alone for the road for you. May God grant that to us all. Amen. Please.